For anyone who dared to question the sci-fi realness that Lovecraft Country was serving, definitely had their needs met in episodes 7 and 8. Hippolyta launches into a journey of self-discovery after being sucked into a portal triggered by a time machine. Will she choose a life for herself or a life where she gets the short end of the stick? We then follow Dee as she grieves the death of her friend Emmett Till, is cursed by white officers, and is hunted down by twin demons through the streets of Chicago. We are getting closer to the end of our Tiny Bite series on Forks and Fangs, so stay tuned! Are you currently looking for a bookstore that has a great selection of books? Well, Kizzy's Books and More is that bookstore. Visit www.kizzysbooksandmore.com to purchase your next book for our book club. Use coupon code VULGARGENIUS to receive 10% off the subtotal of your first order. So what is episode seven all about? Well, according to Google, um, episode seven is about Hippolyta's relentless search for answers takes place on a multidimensional journey of self-discovery and Atticus heads to St. Louis to consult an old family friend. So basically this episode is, is mainly dedicated to Hippolyta. Um, we start off where she is working on the, the Ori yes. machine that looks like little planets, and she's trying to figure out how to unlock it. Unlock it, open it, make it work. Mm-hmm. And she does. She she realizes that she needs to tilt the planets on the axis in order for it to start moving. Yeah, like, I don't quite know what her, um, before she was George's, like, wife what she was doing she might be an astronomer a physicist something i think she was an astronomer if i remember correctly from what i've read i feel like that is like her background yeah because she discovered that comet mm-hmm. going back so um yeah so she figures out how to activate it and it opens up and there's this key and it has like this quote from Immanuel Kant as well as like coordinates and mm-hmm. she uses that to figure out where she needs to go and it sends her to this observatory in St. Louis and um, while she's on her trip you know venturing out trying to figure out what this key does we got Tick who <laughs> is uh, he, he figures out that there that there's a book of names that they have to locate um, in order to get the pages the the titus's pages to work to yeah. work yeah because so. the book of names is basically like spells it's basically like you know your bible for magic mm-hmm. and it teaches you how to do things um so they were desperate so they were kind of like um asking again montrose montrose help mm-hmm. i can't say his name montrose <laughs> but when they go to ask for his help Dun, 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 dun. It is revealed that Mancho is indeed gay, and uh, Tick is not so happy about the news. Yeah, they found they found Sammy um, with his dad when they when they got there. So everybody's upset. Everybody's like, you know, on the edge. And Letty was trying to be like, 
okay, you know, let's still make a plan. Mm -hmm. We'll go to your your family friend in St. Louis. Um, we'll we're, we'll bar Woody. We're gonna go. It's gonna be all right. And Tick is still kind of like, you know, is still going back to his childhood of like, you know, him being punished by his dad. Um, you know, I'm punishing you so you won't be soft. And then it's it's all because of because of what he really is. Yeah. And um so while Atticus is dealing with his family issues, mm -hmm. um, we go back to Hippolyta and she is she made her way to the observatory yep. and as she's like trying to figure out the machine, we have two police officers that show up. Yep. And that is when it gets dangerous. Now when she goes we have, you know, Letty and her sister are taking care of Dee and mm -hmm. has invited some other children over. And um, it it's revealed in that point where it seems like this, there's a possibility that Letty could be pregnant. Yep. Um, Letty and her sister have a conversation. It kind of seems like a it's kind of like a, an apology of, like, Letty not telling Ruby the truth about the house. Yeah, so it's basically like they made they made up while they were like you know stuck together in Hippolyta's house with D. So, you know the sisters make up, and then we saw Tick again, like in his um, family friend's house um, with an older lady, and they were going through some like photo books mm -hmm. or like um, albums, and then while he was looking at. Um, one of the pictures he saw the same birthmark that he had in one of the ladies mm -hmm. and then while he was looking at it in the mirror the phone rings for him mm -hmm. and it was Letty basically was like look dude she yeah. found the Ori yeah in Hippolyta's room mm -hmm. she was working on it we gotta go find her cause she's in danger so I guess we're, they they do what they gotta do take um finds Hippolyta at the right time when the two police officers are there trying to assault her. Yes. And within, during the, the, the fight scene, somehow the machine really starts to activate and it turns on and you see the portal yep. like vibrating. In and out. And the first thing that goes into the portal is when the police officers Tick basically threw him in he there. He threw him in there. But we no, we never find out what happens to that dude. Who He's knows? forever gone. But then Hippolyta gets sucked into it and so does Tick. Mm -hmm. um, so the next thing we know is the I think probably the rest of that show is just dedicated to Hippolyta. Yep. And we see her being sucked into this planet taken by two alien-like robots into this spaceship and greeted by this woman who looks like um, Amethyst from Steven Universe. Steven Universe. <laughs> um, uh, I think her name was like Safarina or something like that, but she also went by Beyond Say, Say in French, S apostrophe E-S-T, <laughs> um, which I just thought, that was just wonderful because I love all things Beyonce. So any little tribute will do. But uh, yeah, so <clears throat> she 
sees this this woman who is mad tall. She's telling her like, like you know, you gotta figure out who you are. Like what's who your you name? Are, what's your name? It's really weird because it's like all of a sudden like it becomes like futuristic, mm-hmm. like straight up like we're in the Matrix. And it it plays on uh, the the ideology of Afrofuturism. Mm-hmm. Um. And for those that don't know, it basically is black folks exist in the future. Yep. And so you have people like Octavia Butler, um, who has, you know, who was the one that kind of like stirred that idea Mm -hmm. um, into um, the minds of black people to know, let them know, like, we exist in these places where when you see space, you know, projected on television is always white people. Yeah. So to have that idea of that there um that we all exist in this place that you know we're great and I think that was what that entire episode was mm-hmm. dedicated to for Hippolyta because when she is asked who she is she says you know I am Hippolyta and she's tr- she's transported into um meeting Josephine Baker because that's where she asked to go. Yeah, because she was just at to a point like, what the hell are you trying to ask me? Like, I am Hippolyta, and like, where do you want to be? Like, you know, asked by this said alien. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, what the fuck? That was her response. <laughs> like, I want to be in Paris with Josephine Baker. Like, some random shit. And she ends up in Paris. With, with jo- Josephine Baker. <laughs> Dancing in the stage. <laughs> showing uh, showing her titties. <laughs> <laughs> so she's she's having this experience and it's obvious that um she she goes there they use that moment because the whole reason why Josephine Baker loved Paris so much was that she could get away from the racism that was happening here in the United States mm-hmm. and um, how being in that country during that time was so different and liberating. refreshing. Yeah, definitely liberating her being able to have, you know, participate in these moments of queerness, of freeness, of just like doing whatever the fuck you want and not feeling the constriction of being a black person in the United States. It's just, it was the moment that we all want for ourselves. <laughs> it's just living. It's that's, that's the start of like living your best life. Yeah. And just living as a human being period. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. without judgment, like without, yeah, restrictions. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like, to me, that's kind of, like, far-fetched, even up to this day. Um, but it must have been nice. Because you see how, like, you know, in to me, that's how it felt. It mm-hmm. felt light. It felt fun. It felt like, oh, my God, what, what, what a time. Yeah. Like, I wish I was there. I wish I would be, like, drinking with them. Mm-hmm. Like, talking to them. Watching the show. Dancing. All the things. Seeing Frida Kahlo, you know, represented in the shows, it was cool. So it really reminded me of when we talked about James Baldwin in a previous um, episode about how he loved being in France, but he knew that he needed to come home because there were things that needed to be dealt with here. And he could not 
see his brother and sisters, you know, go through the fight alone. And that's what brought him back back home. Unfortunately. But he definitely, you know, spoke of that freeness of being a black person in this other country and not being held to um, the racism standards that they have set there. Like, you know, every country has their issues. Yep. It wasn't, you know, 100% free. Everybody has their own caste. But it's totally different, you know. It's, mm-hmm. It was a different feeling. And uh, so she has that experience, and she basically, you know, says, asks her who, Josephine's like, who are you? And she's like, I'm Hippolyta. And we see her get sucked into a whole nother yep. scene. Warrior princess. Yeah. So she's with this this warrior princess group that's training. She trains, and she becomes really good at fighting. Fighting, and the next thing you see is kind of like early. It's set in the early eighteen hundreds, and um, or should say late eighteen hundreds, and you see them look like they're getting ready to fight the Com- conquistadors, <laughs> Confederate Confederate soldiers, <laughs> and they're they're coming, and she's just killing all these these white soldiers, and you know. But the end of that scene. She had this, like, speech. It was a beautiful speech. I could never repeat it, because I would not give justice to it. (laughs) Um, But it's... The gist of it is, like, you know, you are a woman. They told you that your blackness and your being woman is, you know, it's it's not valuable. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a weakness, but apparently it is just your strength. Mm -hmm. And you should always, you know, find your voice. Like, that is why the episode is I Am... Because it's coming into your own personality, coming into your ownness Mm -hmm. of who you are, what you are, and strengths, weakness, all of it. Accepting who you are and then let the world see it and have the world just, you know, be like, it is what it is. You you need to get used to this right now Mm -hmm. because this is who we are. This is what we are. And then... She takes off her, like, um, warrior, like, I guess, you know, shield for her head. And then she utters the words, like, I am Hippolyta. I am George's George's wife. And then comes back to the scene at the start of, like, I guess this was the start of, like, Lovecraft culture. Yeah, at the very beginning of when they're in bed together. Mm -hmm. And... And when that happened, I was like, oh, is Uncle George coming back? Like, is she able to bring him back to life? Nope, it's another dimension. It's a totally different dimension. And then we realized that, you know, she's explaining that she's having all of these moments. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of see in his eyes where it's kind of like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. I don't think he truly believed her. (laughs) And then he did. And then he did the whole thing of like, and yet you came back to me. You wanted to be my wife. And she's like laying in his arms. And when he says that, she does that thing where women do where you're like, what? Like we were just having a moment. I'm explaining myself to you. And then you make it about yourself. Mm -hmm. And you put me in this category of where you think that I reside. Mm-hmm. And she goes on to tell them, like, you know, that she lost herself, you know, not really having the opportunity to be who she it really was. Is. Not just someone's wife, not just someone's, you know, 
uh, business partner and what it was they were doing or someone's mother that she was a whole person before all of that. Mm-hmm. And when she says that, he soon realizes like, oh, I done fucked up and yeah. I got to make it right. And he, you know, he makes it plain and, and he says, you know, I made you, uh, I helped you shrink yourself mm-hmm. to be those things that I needed you to be rather than what you needed yourself to be. Mm-hmm. And so so often that happens to women Yep. when trying to find out how to navigate through life. And we're meant, we are told that we have to be all things to all people, but never the thing that we need for ourselves. And it's so difficult when you just want to be that one thing for yourself. It's hard because I have a family, I'm a wife, I'm a mother. So I understand because some, you just sometimes forget that you are your own self too. Mm-hmm. So the struggle is real because you know that people are depending on you. Um, but it doesn't mean that you have to give up all of it in its entirety. Mm-hmm. You can like, you know give a little it's a compromise wherever you go in life mm-hmm. whether it's with yourself with your partner you know with with anybody so and when it's kind of like a you know it's it's nice to see Hippolyta coming coming through and getting through all of that because it's it's a powerful message for women everywhere mm-hmm. that you can be you can be everything and still be you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it takes a lot of work, and it's not plain and simple. She had like I think those like scenarios or worlds that she went into, like is her struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just in you know, in a nicer, colorful way presented to mm-hmm. us by this show, but it comes you know it comes with a price, it comes with hard work. And it's never perfect. Yeah. I think for... Because after after she sees George, you know, she's like, I'm Hippolyta Discoverer. And she basically grabs his hand and he comes along with her. And Mm -hmm. now they're in space and uh, we see that she has now become the comic book that her daughter has has been drawing. Right? So... She's what is it, or Orithia Blue or whatever? Yep, Orithia and she's Blue. she's discovering this planet, and you can see like she loves every second of this, like you know, discovering new world. And she looks over at her husband, and she, you know, she tries to show. I grabbed this little like petal, and it has turned into these things. And he is dis, he's nowhere to be found. <laughs> he just looks at her like, oh, okay. All right. As <laughs> if he had seen it before. Yeah. And you can see the disappointment in her face of like, this is, I'm still dealing with this. Even though we've, I've taken you with me, mm-hmm. you are not as, as excited about it as I, as, I, as I am, as I hope you would be. And I think it is in that moment she realizes I have to, in order for me to fully be free, have to let go of those things mm-hmm. that want me not to be where I am. Mm-hmm. And she floats up to back to um, uh, Beyonce. <laughs> she floats back up to her, and she basically tells um, Hippolyta, "Like, 
when you ready, let's go. Yep, you're a part of us now. And she's like, will it be permanent? And she says, yes. And then she says, can I go back the way I came? And she says, yes, we'll send you back to Earth. And, you know, she... She, she picked Earth because of D. Yep, she has to go back for her daughter. And, um, See, you know... That, that shows you that struggle right there. It's real. Because she was like, but this is so nice. She's loving it. She's mm-hmm. like, oh, really? I can just be like this? But at the end of it all, she chose her daughter. Because mm-hmm. she's like, she needs me. And um, so she, she, you know, goes back. But we don't know. We don't know when she arrives, how she gets there, or whatever. But she knows that's where she chooses to go. Mm-hmm. And um, when she... She comes she comes out of the machine, but when we see... Well, we haven't seen her come out of the machine. We see uh, Tick, Tick come, out, come out. And when he comes out, he has a book in his hand. And he turns the book over, and it, the book is shown that it is written by someone named George Freeman. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... I'm like, at that moment, is Uncle George alive? <laughs> Did he write that book? <laughs> but we have it. We ha- we don't know yet. We don't know. So, now uh, the, the following episode. That's a little scarier. Jigo- it, I keep saying it was, I keep wanting to call it Jigaboo, but it's not Jigaboo, it's Jigabobo. And, um, this episode is so, it's so sad in the very beginning because we realized that I think it was maybe episode two. Yeah. Episode two when Letty buys the house. Oh, when she has her like housewarming party. Mm-hmm. And all the children are like downstairs playing with the Ouija board. Mm-hmm. And one of the boys asked if they were going to have a, a safe trip. Mm-hmm. And the Ouija board tells them no. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's like the uh, supposedly is the ghost of Uncle George who lets them know, like, no, you're not going to have a uh, a good trip. When we enter into this episode, we are at a funeral, um, and it is for Emmett Till, and we realize that the boy who had asked about his trip, they called him Bobo, but Bobo's real name was Emmett Till, mm-hmm. um, and Emmett Till was killed by white men uh, after visiting, going down south. He he lived in Chicago, and he went down south to visit um, some family members, and it was his first time down there. And his his mom warned him about, like, how you should be when mm-hmm. you go down there. And apparently um, there was a, a instance incident between him and a, and a white person and in a grocery store he was accused of hurting whatever he was i think he was accused of like hurting a white woman or something mm-hmm. like that in but a grocery store he um was killed and the mother wanted everybody to see what they what they do to black people yeah and so the cas it was open casket it was his body was like tossed into the river, never to be found, but it washed up and they were able to locate it. And so she wanted people to see what they did to this little boy's body, what they did to his life. They took it. They murdered him and um so 
his the funeral it was this massive long line it was on one of the hottest days of the year and you could smell the death that was coming from his body um mm-hmm. so that's the opening scene and you see d who is just straight up distraught that's her friend yeah it's like you know the innocence is taken away mm-hmm. from her and then um there was a conversation while you focus on d's face um in in that scene where like Ruby was just like we should have never brought her here, mm-hmm. and uh, Montrose was like it's a rite of passage with every, with everyone, mm-hmm. child or adult, and to hear that say this is a rite of passage, <laughs> to see somebody die, is fucked up. Mm-hmm. That's just me. I don't know how y'all feel. But to me, that is very wrong. Mm-hmm. That is not a rite of passage. Mm-mm. That is murder. Mm-hmm. So that really, that really s- stuck with me. And I, there's a lot in this episode that is haunting. But that is that is what I think the most haunting for me. Because mm-hmm. um, it's you you can just see in her face and the conversation happening in the background. That is probably what most black people talk about in their everyday lives. Mm-hmm. And in, that is not right. Mm-hmm. That is not right. I think it is, you know, it for Montrose character, especially in the very beginning, when we hear about him before we meet him, um, based on what uh, um, Atticus is talking about, he seems like he's like a very like pro-black, militant black man. Like, you know, he mm-hmm. hates... <laughs> anything that has anything to do with, you know, the dismantling of the the black race, right? Mm-hmm. So I think for him saying what he said was this, he wants her to know what they do to us, you know, like to be aware. Oh, extremely aware, aware at yeah. all times, like this could happen. This did happen, mm-hmm. and we got to fight for us not to have it happen to us anymore. And um, when she leaves from the funeral, she's she's walking, and she is about to make a turn, and when she turns down into this alley, we find that she's gotten pulled over by the police, and it is uh, the captain. Yep, the captain. This is part of the Sons of Adams. Mm-hmm. Um like cult mm-hmm. by Christina Braithwaite's dad. So she was pulled in there and they were like, are you Diana Freeman? They were questioning her. And of course, you know, you, we just, we just got done with the scene with Emmett. So we're like, you know, Oh no, what is happening? Mm-hmm. But they just ended up cornering her while she was standing. They put like two chalk marks next to her feet almost kind of like an asterisk sign. I guess they were doing some sort of spell at this point. Because mm-hmm. they were asking her, like, is this yours? Like, you know, her pig, like her, comic book. her comic book drawing um, that was found next to the police officer that was killed where her mom tried to do that, you know, the tried to machine. access the, the time machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, yes, that is mine. And she was like, you know, asking where is my mom, you know, like, uh, like basically like, you know, like, why are you asking me all these questions? Like, you know, are your family been acting strange? Like, just 
the whole the whole 20 questions thing and after that she just she was she was she was choked by one of the police officers and mm-hmm. the, uh, the captain just starts saying the spell mm-hmm. and then like maggots start coming out of like the ground and it um he's he's pat on his hand and then Ugh. put it on her forehead I, I, which that, is so disgusting oh that scene of him spitting. Anytime I see anybody on TV spit on somebody, it is it is the most disgusting thing in the world. It's so nasty, and it's and it's like a sign of also like you're below me almost because mm-hmm. you spit in the ground. You don't spit in no person. So that's that's such a like I don't know. It's a it's a very powerful powerful scene. And then, you know, you see one of the maggots enter Diana's body. Mm. And then she just kind of, like, almost lost consciousness. And then and then regains it almost immediately. And was just kind of like, what the fuck just happened? Somebody mm-hmm. just spit on my face. And then she comes home running. Um, and then she sees Letty that had this big argument with Atticus, right? Well, and the source of the the <laughs> the argument is our homegirl, the my um, homegirl, <laughs> <laughs> Gia has come to town. Gia is and she, b- b- back. She wants to talk to Atticus um, about you know the stuff that she she warned him about, and um, she basically reveals to both of them because Atticus. Really didn't understand what happened to him. Atticus run away the moment she and I turned. Don't blame him. She turned into this nine tail monster. Atticus was like, "Peace out, peace, peace the fuck out." Who's gonna stay around and ask questions? No, 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 no. no. He was too freaked out. He was young, freaked out by. Yeah. So, so Korea had to come to the south side. <laughs> okay. And she explains to both of them what she is and how she gets the information that she gets and how she knew that something was going to happen to him. Letty didn't like it. She didn't like it because she knew, like, this girl's still in love with you. What other reason would she fly all the way from another country Yep. just to tell you that, you know, you're going to die? die. Which you know, is- she already didn't told him that yep you already know she like she has repeated this multiple times mm-hmm. over the phone and in person so um so letty ain't happy about that and it was funny because in the scene where they're having this argument they she basically tells him you gotta leave she gets his clothes she gives him his clothes and then he turns around and leaves, and she says, "Where are you going?" And I'm like, "That's such a classic thing that women do, yep. of like, I want you to get out of here. Where you think you're going? I'm but still, where are you going? You just told a man to leave." And he's like, "I'm gonna make this right. <laughs> <laughs> this is for us. It's not comical, but now that we're talking about it, it is kind of like a it's cliche funny. scene. It's um, funny, yeah. But Tick leaves." And then when Diana shows up to the house, it's kind of like after all of that has happened and mm-hmm. Letty, um, you know, really isn't paying too much attention to Dee. Because she's a kid. Like, she's, you know, going back and forth. And, like, to Letty, she has bigger problems yeah. than to watch after Dee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
it's unfortunate because I really felt like Letty, if uh, of all the adults, she should have been the one to have really paid attention to what D was going. Like something's not right, especially if like D's like there's something there, and all of the stuff that they've seen mm-hmm. already should have made Letty pause. But she was in herself and on she her mission in, that she, she just didn't pay attention. It just sucks how children get treated sometimes when adults don't listen to them. Yep. Oh, poor, poor D. Poor D. But Atticus also did something before when, you know. Oh, yeah, after they left the funeral, he was in such, like, he was checking his watch at the funeral and Letty didn't really understand why. And then we see that he had to go meet up with his cousin, <laughs> Christina Braitwife. Um, to find out, like he needed, he needed to know magic immediately. Like now, and she was like, "Oh, what's up with it now? I've been trying to teach it to you all the time, trying to get it to you, and now all of a sudden you want it for what? For why?" And it ended up being that you know he he wanted to learn in order to protect his family because he finds out that you know Letty is pregnant, mm-hmm. and so um, she shows him like this symbol to use but obviously she's not going to show him just to show him there has to be an exchange so he gives him the key to the ori and um so she thinks she can use that in order to get the information in order to become immortal and um before she leaves tick had this question of like what happens in the equinox mm -hmm. like during the autumnal equinox Mm -hmm. and christina stops in her tracks and she looks back at Tick and and she was like I will do um whatever nobody has done including Titus Braithwaite I'm gonna be immortal um and Tick was just kind of like in fear like she he was almost kind of like pale in the face when Christina uttered those words. Mm-hmm. And we would know why in the coming episodes. So, um, we go back to, let's go back to D because D is now like she's constantly running away from these demons that have started chasing her everywhere. Yeah. These two little girls. That is probably part of C.S. music video. <laughs> Just, just so you know, that's how they they be dancing to chandelier this. style. Yep, <laughs> I'm I'm not kidding you. They're you know they're dancing around to like specific music. It's like Sia Sia's music video. Come I, on. I wonder who they were because they were really good and the makeup. It's scary. It like, was scary. I I like I said I don't do the the horror part. Um, but, you know, I gotta do it for this show. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, it was interesting. Interesting. <laughs> how, how they looked like. Um, but yeah, it was, it's like a child's nightmare. Mm-hmm. Like, it's these two little ragdoll looking things mm-hmm. with, like, long nails, with, like, it's like the Joker's makeup. With like braided hair, it's creepy. Yeah, cause they were there. The image was based off of um, the stereotypical images that they would make back in the day, 
of what black people look like and they would mm-hmm. call them jigaboos and i think that's where like the title of the episode came from but it was like you know little girls with whose hair kind of like a raggedy and doll mm-hmm. uh, but it was racist images yep. of black people then and so the imagery that they use for this show in order to scare you in all different kinds of ways not just like the horror factor of it yeah but the racist horror part of it like mm-hmm. misha 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 green it is amazing misha. it's really good because it it sticks to you mm-hmm. and you think about it like really really deep it definitely is um embedded into your into your mind um, but she she's running away. She find I think she ends up going to the the, chief, um, the police officers that did this to her. Oh yeah, that's right. I totally forgot about that scene because she wants to know like what the fuck did you do to me? Yeah, or like is my mama alive? Mm-hmm. That was her first question when she, you know, while she was trying to run away from these two little devils, mm-hmm. she was like, okay. I'm going to run away, but I'm going to go back to where this all started in my head, mm-hmm. which is the police officers. So she went inside, you know, she basically bust in there and she's like, is my mama, is my mama dead? And, you know, the captain was like, probably. And, and she was just like, you know, um, she was just trying to find out like, did, did they curse her? Yeah, and like, you know, what did you do to me? And this and that. And the police officer was like, well, um, if you if you give me the Ori, you know, this time-looking machine. And she was like, I know what an Ori is. <laughs> and my mom says Hippolyta. It's Greek. You <laughs> asshole. <laughs> and I'm like, you tell them, girl. <laughs> and then um, she spits on the, the chief. Mm-hmm. And then, well walks away and and she was like before she walks away she was like and it stinks in here it smells like you know yeah it was because that body that was hanging in the closet mm-hmm. um so she, you know she you know finds out that she's been cursed she goes back to the garage and the demons have you know crept back in mm-hmm and she, what does she have, like a pipe in her hand or something? Something, something metal. And she's she's hitting at the girls, keeping them away. Montrose comes in. Held, you know, holds her and be like, D, what's going on, mm-hmm. D, you know? And she was screaming, let me go, let me go. And then that's when you see her, her left arm finally decaying. Yeah. And, and then the little devils appear like another scene and then you see her like just scratching the fuck out of her hand yeah and, and so that's the um and it fades away that's the end of that that episode those two damn episodes Oof. we went through a lot with those two shows it was it was something else oh um and I, we can't forget like during within that episode because they weren't on there a lot but ruby and christina were having this conversation where ruby is kind of like upset that christina doesn't feel the same way that she does in regards to emmett dying mm-hmm. and and christina basically tells her like well i don't care like i i don't i don't care i don't care she and give two shits about it and i think within that conversation it convinces Christina that she wants to know what it 
means to feel what Ruby feels about this situation. So she decides that she's going to reenact the same way that Emmett Till died. Yeah, and it's something to see in a, like, you know, it's something to see because you see a white woman suffering of what that kids had suffered. And I bet when you see it, you're like, oh, this is fucked up. Mm -hmm. And yet this is what we do to people. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, I think it's, it's more of like their intention to let the viewer see how this all goes down really Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you're like oh you know it it doesn't really happen we didn't do it but look this is this is how it feels Mm y'all so because it's gory they do it all of it it's blood throwing there in the water getting you know before that getting shot like it's it's a lot of stuff that happens to her and then she comes up and i think within that we are supposed to feel as if christina empathizes with Ruby like mm-hmm. for her to fully understand but you know what we can tell from Christina is that there's always a hidden agenda and I don't mm-hmm. always believe how can what you believe she her? says about like, how no, she but... feels about Ruby is that yeah it's she is an odd duck to begin with mm-hmm. but it she she does what she does so she can feel better about herself. That's that's what it boils down to me. Yeah. Um, also, there was a point there where um, Letty decided to meet with Christina, too. And was like, oh. oh. yeah, the protection spell. Yeah, and Letty was begging Christina, was like, please protect Atticus. Um, but Christina ended up giving the protection to Letty. Mm-hmm. I think Christina knew that she was pregnant. So, you know, because she was like, here, get Titus's pages, like the negatives, because mm-hmm. uh, Letty is a photographer and likes to take pictures. Um, so that's also in one of the scenes there that was kind of like pivotal. Because now Christina doesn't only have the key to the Ori, she has also Titus's pages. So mm-hmm. she's getting closer and closer to what she intends to do. What oh. she what she intends to do, we don't know yet. Yeah. But it's you know to her it's coming together because she gives that of that face and like, huh, I got them finally. Yeah. I don't know how we could for, top, possibly forget this part where he uh, Atticus has done this spell with his dad for protection. Then she gets uh, Letty gets the protection placed upon her womb in order oh, to protect yeah. her body, and when they're at home at Letty's house. The police officers show up. The same police officer that did the the spell to D. Mm-hmm. Because they're trying to get in there, and um and get the I guess to get the Ori from to out of there. To get the Ori. And to get that um, key. They can't get in because the house is still protected from when the the, the voodoo the lady came in and do the voodoo in the house. Yep. The blood is still on the door, so he can't get in. He realizes like shit, I can't get in. So they decided they're gonna shoot up the house. But it's like Letty has that like Wonder Woman moment where the <laughs> bullets are bouncing off of her, yep. <laughs> and she realizes, oh, like, oh, I can't die. Yep. I, it it worked, and um, Atticus is like, you know, trying to protect the house or whatever, and he's outside, and a police gets ready and he shoots at him, and all of a sudden, a shogoth comes out of the ground. 
and kills every single police officer there. Yep. So that monster thing, Shogath, is this kind of like mag a big dinosaur maggot looking thing. With all the eyes. Yep. Um, and this was the one that they saw in the first episode. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, I guess they summoned one of those and it protected them. Yep. It pro- like, it's basically his pet now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, is that uncle George? <laughs> <laughs> this was, a, this was a wild, the la those last two episodes were straight up crazy. Yep. It's, it's like, you know. It's near like the the peak of the story. Mm-hmm. Also, the peak of my voice. <laughs> so yeah, so you know we're co- we're we're two episodes away from the end. Yeah, it's, and uh, it's getting more interesting. This show, and you just never know what they're gonna do next. But um, seven and eight, it gets a ten in my book. I was terrified half of the time, so, you know. <laughs> but but it's good. Um, every, every time that we do this, I'm like, there's no way that it could be better. But it keeps getting better mm-hmm. and better and better. I don't know who, what, how they think of these things, but it's, it's something else to be this creative and have this, you know, being shown to the masses. In a very distinct time. Yeah. For sure. For sure. So, uh, thank you once again mm-hmm. for joining us on this episode of Tiny Bites. Thank you for joining our chit chat. <laughs> <laughs> we hope that you'll come back so you can find out how Lovecraft Country ends, as if you all are, haven't already seen it, but still. But still, you know, our opinions matter. I don't and know. they should. <laughs> be, be like Christina. Be with us. <laughs> feel what we feel. <laughs> Listen to this podcast. <laughs> until until next time. Yes, we can we you know we can close the chapter of this tiny bite series. <laughs> so y'all take care, be safe out there, wear a mask. Wear a mask, wash your hands. Bye bye. We hope you enjoyed our show. Follow us on Instagram at Vulgar Geniuses Book Club. Our theme song was produced by Sean Kantrowitz. Follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Sean Dammit. That's spelled S-E-A-N-D-A-M-M-I-T. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe to our podcast on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. See you next time. Deuces.